0: John's Gospel, chapter 19. We will run a couple of verses into chapter 20 also. Beginning to read at verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body. Of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought him a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about an hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden a new sepulchre wherein was never man yet led. There led they Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulchre was nigh at hand. First day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark. Unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have led him. Let's stop there, keep your Bible open, but that's just by a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for everything that he is to us. He is our life. He is the very hope in our breast. He is everything to us. So Father now take your word and write it upon our hearts and enable us to see him. He is all together lovely. We ask it in Jesus name. Amen. This is just going to be a short introduction for a few moments and then this evening. I trust that you'll come out and you'll hear part two. And we want to really get our teeth into it this evening. A three-dimensional look at the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The number three in this short reading pops up all over the place. For example, we're told that There's the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. Three. We're also told that Jesus, he's in the tomb for three days. We're told also that Christ is raised on the third day. But there's something that was said in John 19, and it's in verses 38-38. To 39 and 40. And in three places it mentions the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. It mentions it three times. It mentions it twice in verse 38 and once again in verse 40. And verse 39, they wrap the body of Jesus in cloth. But Three times it says the body of Jesus. Number three is written all over this. We'll look at that in a few moments time. But here is encapsulated the fullness of the gospel. The death, the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus here is secretly recorded by the Holy Spirit through John's pen. And I remember when I sat down and I read all the accounts of the end of the crucifixion of our Lord and of his burial and of his resurrection. As I studied during the week and I looked through them. Nothing came to me then suddenly the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. That's what jumped out at me. Three times. So I set to thinking after reading different commentaries. No one. No one told me what I'll tell you. I sat to thinking about it and I pondered over it and I mused on it, I I went to bed thinking about it and I got up in the morning thinking about it, the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus. I was out for a walk over the field and I was praying and it just kept coming before me, the body of Jesus. I said, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? What is it, Lord, that you're displaying before me, and I'm not saying it? For three times it is recorded, and it keeps coming up before my face and in my mind, the body of Jesus. So, I read it over and over and over again. And in this I seen the encapsulation of the whole gospel, the death of Christ. The burial of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Also, in the same area, we'll touch on this maybe tonight. In the same area, we're told in verse 40, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein never man was yet led. A new sepulcher was in the garden and yet in the place where he was crucified. Here we have the crucifixion of Christ. Here we have the sepulcher for Christ and the resurrection of Christ. All in the same place. Three, the number three, the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus. Lord, what were you telling me? You know, the gospel is encapsulated, we always say, it's in a nutshell when we read John chapter 3 and verse 16. And everyone knows it off by heart. And of course then when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4, it's encapsulated by the Apostle Paul. He says, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to... To the scriptures. Notice Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul, what scriptures? Because when we read John's Gospel, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if, when we read the epistles and we read the book of Revelation, they weren't written, they were going on the old testament scriptures. And they were speaking and looking forward and prophesying of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. A body hast thou prepared for me, it says in one place. A body. In other words, Almighty God, the great eternal Spirit, would come in body, would come in fullness in a body. Different prophets had seen him, had heard him. And now he has come. And in John 19, we hear of the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. Some of the scriptures that I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I received, that how how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. John, or Isaiah chapter 6, if you have your Bible, let's flick over to a few scriptures before we go a little further. Isaiah chapter 6, here is a wonderful vision. A marvelous prophetic witness and testimony of the one who would come and hang and bleed and die on the cross of Calvary. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple above it stood the seraphims each one had six wings with twain he covered his face and with twain he covered his feet and with twain he did fly and one cried unto another and said holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke hear 750 years before the birth at Bethlehem of the baby Jesus, we have the prophetic and we have the vision of Isaiah the prophet seeing Christ on his throne, worshipped by the angels, the seraphim of heaven. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, then, there's another prophetic utterance of him coming, of him. Coming into a body. Into a body. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Here the uh, the, the prophet sees the one on the throne. Becoming a baby in a manger, and he looks down through time and he yearns to see the Christ of God. He yearns to see the flesh manifestation of Almighty God. The babe in the manger, the child that was given, the child that would come, that would have a body. He grew like you and I grew. He lived a sinless and a spotless life, though. Yet he died on a cruel tree, the body of Jesus. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 12, please. John's Gospel, chapter 12. John mentions Isaiah the prophet. You know, Isaiah is what's known in theological schools and, and, and terms and areas as the fifth evangelist. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they say Isaiah because of his district, descriptive tones of Christ. Notice what John says here in John chapter 12. And let your eye run down, please. The verse 37. But though he had done many miracles before them yet they believe not on him think about this this is the Lord Jesus Christ now doing miracles all over the place and they still couldn't believe even though he showed the power of God and I wonder sometimes what does it take for a man or a woman to believe When they see and know and hear the things of God, what does it take for them to put their full trust, their whole heart on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe? Here they would not believe even though they saw miracles. You see, you know what it takes for someone to believe? It takes a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. And if the Holy Ghost is speaking to your heart, then it's a sovereign move to you. It's time to yield to him. Notice what it says here, verse 38. That the saying of Isaiah, that's Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake. Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Notice this. Here is the wonderful blessing of having an open mind and an open heart. That God will sovereignly move on a heart and if God sovereignly moves on a man or a woman's heart then you're so blessed for there are men and women there. Their eyes are blinded, their hearts are hardened and they cannot believe. But God has placed his grace and his love upon you that you see, you hear and you believe. Notice this what he says. Verse 40. These things saith God Isaiah, or Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spake of him. Go back in your mind to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah saw him upon the throne, Isaiah saw him in the splendor of glory. Isaiah saw him in heaven. Isaiah saw him and his voice was a booming voice that shook the very posts of the door. Even heaven would crumble at the power of the Lord. Even heaven is moved and shaken by the power of the word of God. And that one on the throne who was worshipped by Seraphim and Cherubim. The angels and the elders we read in Revelation bow down before him. There comes a child that is born and a son that is given. And he comes and bleeds and dies on an old rugged cross. They kneeled to the tree and they looked upon him Upon the body of Jesus. The body of Almighty God. Now think about this friend. Think about this that there are men and women who believe whether it's by works or deeds or alms or whether it's by church denomination and affiliation that They will go to God and the old story that St. Peter's at the gates and he'll welcome you or turn you away or whatever. And it's all bumpkin. Almighty God himself came. He became flesh. He hung on the tree. He went to the tomb. He showed his power at his resurrection that you and I would be justified. So when you think that we could get to glory, that we could get to heaven, that we could enter the kingdom of God by our own merit, let's think again and say, Lord, I must receive you by grace through faith. I must believe that you died for me. I must accept your one time, once for all, never to be repeated sacrifice, that it will wash me clean of all my sins, for Jesus paid the debt and I will be saved. Simple as that. For anything outside of that, you and I are falling short of the grace of God. And Christian, brother, sister, listen. When you and I are in trouble and strife and wandering and worrying, this is the same God who saved you. This is the same God who died for you. This is the same one who loved you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness has he drawn you. So, here we have the Lord coming to bleed and die. In Psalm 16 and verse 10, we sang it, Gary led it this morning. "Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt I suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there is pleasures forevermore. Here is the burial of Christ. Here is the, the tomb that we read often John 19 and verse 40. God raised him on the third day. For three days, he was in that tomb. And here is the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the scriptures, I remember one time on Sunday night, I mentioned that scripture in here. A man came to the door, uh, very theologically minded. He said, That's not about Jesus' resurrection at all, his burial. I says, Is it not? He says, I says, Well, whatever you say, I'll believe the Bible. You know, let's believe the Bible. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Now listen to the Apostle Peter. Listen to the Apostle Peter and what he says. Let's iron down the verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding off it. for David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. Because I wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, of the, of, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne." He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh, his flesh did see corruption. There the Bible tells us it. There the Bible tells us it, that David looked 1,000 years before Christ came, and he saw the fruit of his life. He saw someone of his lineal descent dying in our room instead and going to the grave and the Lord would raise him up and he would not see corruption. Now corruption was believed to set in on the fourth day. Lazarus was four days in the tomb or the grave. And his sister says, Lord, by now he stinketh. In other words, he's stinking, he's corrupting. Four days in this heat. Lazarus will be stinking. You're going to talk of a resurrection? So Lazarus saw corruption The Lord Jesus was raised on the third day. He saw no corruption. He was raised on the third day. So here we have the number 3 again. We also know that after that he ascended into heaven. Let you when you go home you can read his coming again is in Psalm 24 is this king of glory the Lord of hosts he is the king of glory he's coming to set up his kingdom read Revelation chapter 5 he he looks like a lamb in the midst of the throne the resurrected and ascended Lord is coming again so let me just tell you what number 3 means and we'll start here tonight there's a lot this is only the introduction to this there's a lot to look at tonight. For example, the number three, we know when we look at uh, Bible numerics, they always mean something. That's why the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus, they've said, Lord, what, what, what is this? It's three times. Three can mean witness or testimony. A threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken, it strengthens it. But the number three means more than that. Three is the number of cubic measure, three is the number of solidity. For example, take a two dimensional measurements and multiply them together, and you simply have the surface measurement. Length times breadth is the surface measurement. You want to measure the floor and you want to see what, what the measurement of the surface of this whole area floor is. You measure the length by the breadth and you'll get that measurement of the whole surface area. You see, two dimension is just surface stuff. Just stuff that's on the top. But three, the Holy Ghost put that in for a reason. Three days for a reason. Abraham went with his son Isaac to to worship and to sacrifice. He says, three days we'll go. Three days. In other words, there's something more to this. There's an in-depth I'm going to slay my son. God will raise him up from the ashes. In other words, there's going to be a greater measure. In other words, it's more than what meets the eye. If you were to get a a, a flat pack of a cardboard box and measure the length and the breadth, that's the surface measure. But once you put in the third dimension, length times breadth times depth or height if you want, times depth, you have that cubic measurement and it means something, it means something deeper, something more solidified, it means something stronger. So when I looked it up and I said, Lord... Two dimensions is length and breadth. Three dimensions means something even different. The Lord was showing me. He says look at what they done to my son. The body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea. Some say he was Jesus' uncle, thus according to the flesh and through his mother Mary. He goes and begs for the body to be taken down. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and Joseph Arimathea was afraid to stand out and be counted with Jesus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. He was a, they were secret disciples. But you see, whenever we realize who Christ is and when he died on the cross, exactly what he has done, we get the depth of it. And when we see the reality that Jesus really died, he really truly died. He died like your loved one has died and like my loved ones have died. He was dead. was final. Get the depth of it. The Lord was showing me get the depth of what they done to my son. He was dead. He need not have died for he was the fountain of all living. He was innocent and just but for your sake and mine Jesus died. Get the depth of it brother. Get the depth of it, sister, this morning. And realize what he has done for you. They placed his body in a tomb. When you go from the end of chapter 19 of John's gospel into chapter 20, it's as though, we just read past it, but... I'll say this in closing we'll start here tonight God willing suddenly Jesus is led in the tomb and the stone is rolled over and there's something about the tomb that has this threefold depth also we'll look at it and suddenly from the end of chapter 19 where man has broken that up for our easy reading into chapter 20 suddenly it clicks into place Mary Magdalene appears as she's going to the tomb but there's been three days that little white space where it says chapter 20, on your Bible and mine, there's three days of a world without hope, of a world without Christ, and of a world, if you want, without God. God was always there. God did not die, but he who died was God. God was always in control. God was always sovereign but in the sense that his son lay in the tomb for three full days. Three days without Jesus in the world. Three days he lay in a state of mortal death. He tasted death for every man and woman. I get the depth of it. Three days. He rose again. Get the power of it. Well, look at that tonight. God bless us. Time's flowing. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. The one whom Isaiah saw on the throne one whom Isaiah saw in Isaiah 53 and 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes we are healed. Hold on a minute. He's on the throne and now you're giving me a vision of that he's going to go and, and bleed and die in such a manner and a fashion like that. John says Isaiah saw him. Saw his glory. Isaiah saw the throne in his glory. But Isaiah saw the glory of the cross. He shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. Now that's glory to Jesus. I'm gonna start preaching again before I go home. God bless you all. Well. The Lord blesses. been good to have Mackay family with us. God bless you. Safe journey and wherever else you are going. Where else are you singing? Willie McRae's church. No. We'll forgive you for that. That's okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the Lord bless you. Safe journey. And wherever you go, enjoy yourselves while you're over. The Lord bless you. Uh, let's give the tithe and the offering. I'll give the Lord his due. Time's flowing. We'll go home. Get your tea. I'm getting my tea as well. I always get my tea made for me. He's going to say, I, made for me. I sure get it made for me every day. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I'm going out to the outlaw's house. I mean, the in-law's house. I'm <laughs> says, I'm not going to get my tea now. <laughs> I'm going to get my tea. If you're about tonight, come out. Please come out. And we'll keep, keep the we're we'll just going straight into a time of worship. Is that alright, guy? Your time of worship. Prepare your heart, prepare your mind. And if the Lord leads us just to worship on for ten minutes or an hour, we're just going to do it. And then we'll get around this. And if I don't get to preach this, then that's okay, we'll preach it another week. You know, still the gospel message. You know, but we're going to come out and we're going to praise and worship and let the Lord lead the meeting. And it's better when he leads it. Let's give on to the Lord, Guy. Have you anything to finish with? Really enjoyed your worship this morning. Or the worship this morning, Guy. And Margaret and Richard and Lauren. The Lord bless you. Bless you. Bless you. That's just me.